He is worthy of our praise. His mercy does endure forever. Amen. Luke chapter number 8. Before I read today, if you've been missing our Wednesday night services, you may not be able to follow what's going on. So before I read this morning, I need to kind of get you uh, to that level so that you can see where God is calling our church. Because in our text this morning, God has given a call to our church. I want you to tell that neighbor right beside of you, say, God's going to call you this morning. We have been attempting on Wednesday night to uh, instill enough knowledge in everyone's heart, soul, mind, and body that when they approached the reading of the Word of God, that they began to read the Word of God in the mindset that was um, the writer wrote it and the people that read it received it. In so doing, we cannot dismiss in any way, shape, or form what these people back in ancient times and the people in the first century when Jesus was on the earth, what they believed and how they viewed their world. One of the problems that we have when we approach the Bible is we do not understand what concept of the worldview or uh, what the person believed when they wrote that scripture. And because of that, the gospel that has been preached in the church for so long now has just been a, a gospel that's been preached on a facade. You never go any deeper than just what you see on the front surface. And that is critically damaging the church today because we have discounted the supernatural. The ancient mindset was definitely rooted in the supernatural. And a lot of the things that they wrote into the scripture was based upon the supernatural aspects of things. And if you do not understand where they're coming from and what is going on in the supernatural realm while they're writing this, you're going to miss exactly everything that the Holy Spirit is trying to convey to the church. So on Wednesday night, we have been uh, going into some things and we have been teaching some things that I know many of you has never heard before. In fact, let's take a poll. How many of you have been here on Wednesday night has heard things you've never heard before? Would you say amen? So there are things we've never heard before, and because of that, we miss what God is trying to tell us. So I want to give you a foundation before I read this scripture this morning and carry you into the call that God has for you today. And if you're here, if you've never been here in living water before, and thank God he put you here today so you can hear the call that he has for his people in this last day and this hour. First off, I want you to realize that we've been studying Psalm chapter 82. Psalm chapter 82 is a psalm that is written that explains to us things that are happening in the supernatural realm. Real quickly, I'll explain to you that in the first verse of that chapter, we see Elohim, which is God, Yahweh, or Jehovah, as we know him, the covenant God of Israel, and another entity by the name of El, which is a deity, standing in the middle of a bunch of divine spirits that later are identified as the sons of God, and El has called a mighty assembly and brought all these sons of God together. And God, the Yahweh, covenant God, is angry with these sons of God. It is heavenly divine spirits, not deified spirits. There's only two deities in this, which is God the Father, God the Son, that we see in this verse. 
And now we have them standing there, and God is angry with the sons of God, and he begins to judge them for not fulfilling the job that God had given them. As we go forward in that, we realize and go through the Scripture that God tells these sons of God, these divine spirits that the Bible calls the sons of God, he tells them, because you have not lived up to the job that you need to live to, you're going to die like men, and your kingdom is going to fall like the princes on this earth. And he goes on further, and he tells them in the last verse, he says, the nations of the world are my inheritance anyway. And we wanted to try to understand that, so we go back in the Bible, and we need to understand that and we've talked about this on Wednesday night, and you need to get this so you can understand where God is going today. First off, there was a rebellion against God. Lucifer went up before God, and he tried to overthrow God out of his position. Lucifer was one of these divine, not a deified spirit, but a divine spirit created by God, which was a son of God in the heavenly realm. And he got angry because he discovered that God had decided that he would give the earth and the position and the inheritance and the things that Lucifer was over at that time to Jesus Christ. And he got angry with that, and he went to rebel against God, and God threw him out of heaven and literally assigned to him and said, you're going to have, and I'm going to put it in my language, you're going to have a nation, and I'm going to give you a kingdom, and it's going to be a kingdom in the aerial heaven, and you and your people or your entities that came and rebelled against me are going to be placed over the nations of the world. Immediately, God chooses Adam and Eve at that time to build as it is in heaven on earth and Eden here on this earth of paradise. We know the story of Adam and Eve and how they fell. And then God said, it will be through the seed of a woman that I will redeem this world. So they have Cain and Abel, and as things goes on, Cain slays Abel and kills Abel. And the righteous one, which was Abel, cries out from his blood in the ground to God because the plan that God has had to redeem the world seemingly has been destroyed by the enemy. Cain has killed him. So God moves again on Eve, and Eve has another baby by the name of Seth, and God begins to put his plan into effect. But the Bible says as time goes on to Genesis chapter number 6 that these sons of God that actually rebelled against God went again and said we got to stop this seed from coming through woman. So we are going to come and appear as a man and we are going to begin to have sex with the ladies on this earth and we are going to birth a race that is not a race that God created, and we're going to corrupt the seed. And they got real good in that to the point to where there were only eight people left on the whole earth that their seed was not corrupted. It's very important you understand that because Jesus himself said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be on the, in the last days. In other words, the very thing that happened back then is going to happen down here again. There are going to be hybrid individuals that are alive on this earth, assigned from hell to destroy the generation. And if you don't see that already happening in the world today, then you and the Lord need to get along and have a conversation. 
But God says, I will destroy that. And he floods the whole earth and he starts again with Noah. And many years down the road, it happens to where God realizes these sons of God that he's placed over the nations has allowed the people to do anything they wanted to do. He's accepted them as wickedness. And in Psalm 82, he judges them. And Nimrod has built a great big old tire up saying he's going to be bigger than God. And God comes down and breaks the nations up in 70 different nations. And those sons of God now are judged by God. And God disinherits everybody on the earth. He said there's no one on the earth. No one in these nations that can be a part of me. So that's how close the devil's got twice. And immediately God turns around and he calls Abram out of the midst of the nations and he says, all right, now I'm going to build me a nation. And in this nation, the seed that comes out of this nation will bless the entire earth. And the plan of Jesus coming down through the seed of woman is once again instituted and Jesus comes and brings salvation to the world. In other words, what I'm explaining to you is there is a cosmic war that is going on in uh, the heavens and around you, and if you don't understand this, you will miss what God has to say. So God has took and judged the sons of God. He has disinherited the nations, but he has chosen Abram, and he has chosen one nation on the earth to bring about his plan, which is Israel. It's very important for you as, a, as an American. I want you to tap that beside me since everybody's so quiet. Tap him beside me and say, I am an American. Very important for you to understand as an American that the United States of America was founded on the very same principles that the nation of Israel was founded on. And we are the Western Israel. We have a covenant with God. We have a covenant with God. The covenant that God has given to us was written by John Winthrop, and it's the same covenant that is based upon the scriptures. If a nation will bless the United States of America, the United States of America will bless them. We are God's western Israel, and Israel, we're working together with them to bring about the plan of God. So if you don't understand that, you're going to miss exactly what's happening here. So tell that one right beside us. Say, God's going to call me today, and I'm going to hear it, and I'm going to receive it in Jesus' name. In Luke chapter number 8, as we go forward, God told me to come bring this to you here this morning. Luke chapter number 8, verse 22. He said, Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. And he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. I want you to underline that. Let us go over unto the other side. Tap that right beside me and say, Let's cross over. All right, let's look at, look at another one and say, we're about to cross over. Now, that's a very powerful scripture that you need to understand. That is your call right now. I want you to tap that right beside me. God just called you, and he said, let's cross over. Oh, say it again. Say, we got to cross over. So he said, let's go over to the other side. Then he goes forward in this scripture, and he begins to explain some things to it. He said, they launched forth, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came a storm of wind, underline that, a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. 
they were in trouble. Look at that right beside me and say, God knows you're in trouble. Turn to another one here today. Some of, some of y'all just trying to be rebellious here this morning, so let's just break that. Turn to somebody and look at them and say, I know you're in trouble. God knows you're in trouble. God knows you're about to sink, but don't worry. Mm -hmm. That's a word from the Lord right there if you'll receive it this morning. Amen. Uh, man, I wish I could preach to a crowd this morning. Amen. He said, as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water, they were in jeopardy, and then they came to him. Push that right beside and say, it's time for you to move to him. A lot of people in the church today, Aunt Janice, are waiting for God to come to them. The church right now will tell you when you begin to ask someone, why is it that you're not busy working? Well, I'm waiting on the Lord to talk to me. You don't need to wait on God to talk to you. He's already talked to you in 66 books of the Bible, and he's talked to you through every living testimony that you have seen that someone in your life has lived a testimony for the Lord. He has taught you for every gospel song you've ever heard. He's talked to you through every scripture you've ever heard, every preacher you've ever heard. You don't need to wait for the Lord to talk to you no more. God's already talked to you. Amen. You need to come to him. In the midst of your trouble this morning, in the midst of your jeopardy this morning, you need to come to Jesus. Amen. Now look at what he done next. You got to wake Jesus up. Look at that right beside of you and say, we got to wake Jesus up. I want you to know Jesus is not asleep, but he's going to act like he's asleep in your life if you continually live the way you've been living. God is wanting you to move to him. Is the church with me this morning? Amen. Amen. It said, and they came to him, they woke him, and they said, Master, Master, we perish. All right, look at that neighbor and help me preach this a little bit. Look at him and say, I know you act like you got it all together, but that's a flat out lie. You ain't got it all together. You need some help. Amen. Turn that right beside him and say, I need some help. Then look up to the Lord and say, Lord, I need some help. United States of America right now is perishing. Living Water Worship Center needs some help spiritually. Living Water Worship Center needs some help from the Holy Ghost. Living Water Worship Center needs to wake Jesus up. Living Water Worship Center needs to realize and understand we ain't got it under control. And if God don't soon do something, we're going down in the ship. Amen. Everybody holler out and say, we need you, Jesus. Say, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased and there was a calm. Tap that beside him and say, a calm is coming. <laughs> and he said unto them, where's your faith? And they being afraid wondered and said one to another, what manner of man is this? For he cometh even the, commandeth even the winds and the water and they obey him. And my text comes here and it says, And they arrive at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when went forth to the land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time. And he wore no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out, and he fell down before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, 
thou Son of God, most high, I beseech thee, torment me not. Now, I want you to notice that the disciples on the boat, the people that were in the church, so to speak, was wondering what type of man Jesus was. But I want you to realize this devil knew exactly who Jesus was. They wouldn't know idea or no debate about his identity. The devil knew who he was. They knew that he was the son of the living God. Amen. And if you'll underline that statement, it says, what do I have to do with you? You'll begin to understand what I'm talking about. Why in the world would a devil look at Jesus and say, what have I got to do with you? I ain't interrupting your ministry. I'm not messing with you. I'm not over trying to destroy your ministry. I have nothing to do with you. What are you doing over here? You see, if you don't understand the supernatural, you miss all of that. And he went on, he says, what have I to do with you? And I want you to notice in verse 28 as well, when that devil saw Jesus, he began to cry out, we need to let the world see a little bit of Jesus in us again. Can the church say amen? Amen. I want you to also notice that when they saw Jesus, he cried out and he ran to him and he fell down at his feet. Even the devils worship Jesus Christ. It's time for his people to start worshiping him like they're supposed to. Amen. says, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God, the most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he has commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in feathers, and he had broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, underline that, circle it. You need to understand what that means. It says, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. Underline that, circle it right beside your name, right or right beside that, right, the abyss, A-B-Y-S-S. You need to hear that and understand that. If you do not get this verse, you do not get this word, you're going to miss what God is calling you to do. He said, do not send us into the den. And it says, and there was a herd of many swine feeding on the mountains, and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. And the devils went out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. And when they that fed them saw what was done, they fled, and they went and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what was done, and came to Jesus and found the man, out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed of the devil was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear, and he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. 
And he went his way and published throughout the whole city, underline that, published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Heavenly Father, take this word, Lord God, move with it and open up our hearts, our souls, and our minds that we can see with clarity exactly what you are calling us to do in this hour. And I'll give you the praise and the glory for it all in Jesus' name. And let the church say amen. Turn to your neighbor out beside and say, we got to cross over. Now, I want to pick up on this, on the mindset of the supernatural. I want to carry you out of what is happening in the physical, and I want to carry you into the supernatural. Just before this, Jesus had had some wonderful things that had happened. In Luke chapter number 7, miracle after miracle, he had raised the dead. God had done some things, but I want you to realize and understand what Jesus had done, he had done over in the nation of Israel. Every bit of his ministry up to this point had been going on within the nation of Israel that God had called to be his nation. Jesus said, I am sent to the lost sheep of Israel. I am not sent to the world. I am sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And his ministry was placed in Israel. His ministry was there. And the devils that were in that area to fight him in Israel had literally come in and they were more religious than anything else. They had moved into the Sadducees and the Pharisees and his very own people was against him. And the devil had literally come against Jesus in Israel. Israel and Jesus had already proved to many that he was the son of the living God because you see John had sent his disciples back and asked him are you really the son of God and Jesus laid his hand on the sick people that were crippled came up and that was the signs to the Jews that this was the son of the living God nobody had ever done it before nobody had ever called the dead out of the grave like he had nobody had ever called people that literally couldn't see and saw them have their eyes opened up and the blind eyes see. Nobody had ever took a crippled and a lame man and healed him and the prophecy had said when you see this you will know he's the son of God. So God has began to tell with the Jews that hey the son of God is present in your nation. Now Jesus tells all of them let's get in the boat and go over and cross over to the other side. Tap that right beside and say we got to cross over. Can I help y'all this morning? Amen. I want to wish all of you would smile at me over here because y'all bothered me a little bit. All right. So he said, let's cross over. Immediately when that was said, it literally sent a resounding sound through the spiritual through the realm of the supernatural. It went all the way down to the lowest pit of hell. It went all the way to the highest part of heaven. And immediately when he looked at his disciples and said, let's go outside of Israel and cross over, he was going into an area that he was not sent to. He was sent over to an area that God did not send him to at that point in time. It was not sent as a nucleus for him to be there and conduct his ministry there. And immediately when he said let's cross over the devils realized Jesus the son of God is coming into my territory and he's walking into my land that I own. You see God owned 
the nation of Israel and the land that Jesus was on was holy ground but over across the sea there was another God that was placed on another son of God that literally was put over that he was a deity he was a divine minister he was not a deity but he was a divine son of God that had been placed over the nation of Perea and he is called in the Bible the God called Baal and when God says, or Jesus said, let's cross over, immediately it is a war term where God has said, let's go to war. We're going out to take the second part of your ministry where I said that the nation of Israel will bless every nation that there is on the face of this earth. He's saying, I am going to put what I need to put in the place over in the devil's territory against the enemy and to show the enemy that I still say that the nations are my inheritance. Are y'all with me this morning if you are saying amen? So now all the angels are on attention. Now every demonic devil is on attention. And immediately when they start to get on the boat, a plan is devised to stop Jesus from getting to the other side. Look at that person right beside and say, God has called you to cross over. Turn to another and say, God has called you to cross over. And I want you to know the minute God calls you to cross over, you better get ready because all hell is going to try to stop you from crossing over. Am I talking to anybody? The minute that you begin to come to move to the move of God, hell will come against you to stop you from going. He wants to put you in jeopardy. He wants to take your boat and sink you. He wants to send you through storms. He will turn around and he will literally, out of anger, try to stop you from getting to your destination because the devil knows in the anointing of the Son of Almighty God that is resting on you, if it shows up in the devil's territory, that that territory will have to bow down at the feet of Jesus and it will have have to leave and it will be God's territory from that time round. Amen. Amen. So the devil now realizes I got to stop Jesus from crossing over because if he gets over there and he does what he needs to do and I don't kill him before he gets there, he said, then I'm going to lose my territory and I want you to know the devil will not give us territory easy. Amen. Some of y'all right now are going through the tissues that you're going through in your life. Your family members are sick. You got problems in your finances. You got problems in your life. It feels like that you literally throw up your hands and you're going down and you know that you're about to go down and you need some help and everything you got. But I want you to know the reason why you're walking through that is because God called you to cross over and to be a warrior for Almighty God and share with the devil and other territories that literally out there that we are still a child of the living God and anointed by the power of God and we are going to win the battle in this last hour it don't matter what hell is said I don't care I'm a new generation but I can walk into Ethan's generation I can walk in there and I can make a difference and I can take back the territory that hell has in that generation and God has called the living water to do that is anybody with me this morning Amen. so the devil tries to take him out he tries to kill him and I want you to notice what's going on. Everyone that is associated with Jesus is literally freaking out. I want you to tap that right beside me and say, have you been freaking out? Some of you would have to answer and say, yeah, I've been freaking out. I've lost my mind. 
Oh, my Lord, I ain't got bills to pay. I ain't got enough money to pay my bills. I'm freaking out. They're coming out to get my car. I'm freaking out. Lord, I'm about to lose my house. I'm freaking out. I ain't got this. I ain't got that. The doctor's telling me I'm sick here and I'm sick there and I'm freaking out. I ain't got no mind literally. I'm sitting here all in anxiety and I'm worried to death and I'm rolling against these contrary ways. My boat is about to fill my life. is getting turned all upside down and I'm freaking out. I'm going to the psychiatrist and the psychiatrist is telling me that you're crazy and I'm talking to people and they're telling them they're crazy. I literally and freaking out. And I want you to know this Jesus and all of this. Jesus is where? Sleep. He's at peace. Turn to your neighbor right beside him and say, peace be still. Find another here this morning and say, peace be still. But oh no, not with the disciples. The disciples that are following with Jesus that have seen him raised to death. That is seeing him go into a funeral possession and lay his hand on the casket. And the boy set up in the, the funeral possession in the chapter before. That has seen people that couldn't walk began to walk. That seen people with the eyes of blindness be opened up and they began to see. They've seen all that. And now a little storm has got them freaking out. But Jesus is sleeping above. He's at peace. Ask your neighbor right beside him. Are you at peace this morning? Are you really at peace this morning? Oh, hell is breaking loose all around us. United States of America opened up. I began to pray this morning telling you we had three weeks of uh, literally less than three weeks of diesel fuel right now. And if God don't intervene and do something, we ain't going to have any food on our shelves to be able to eat. Some of y'all aren't even going to have a Christmas if God does not intervene. There's going to be things you're not going to be able to pay for. It's getting tough on the outside there. And a lot of people are getting upset and excited. All this about it and they're freaking out about it. But God's people should be at peace to it because all this is is something from hell to try to take your focus off of what God is trying to get you to do. And Jesus at the last minute will stand up when the minute you run to him instead of waiting on him coming to you, the minute you run to him and wake him up in your life, he will stand up and say, peace, be still in the morning of your life. Amen. So we got that there. Give God praise this morning because he said I must give you the peace that you need. So there is a storm that hell is going to bring to you when you are moving out to go and take territory from hell. And that storm is a violent one, baby. It will take you down if you let it. But thanks be to God, Mary, we have a deity called Jesus Christ that is stronger than that divine spirit. And when I use the word divine, every spirit that there is in the world is called an Elohim. An Elohim, that means they are divine. They were created by the divine deity called Yahweh. And literally, I want you to understand, I'm not putting them on the level of God. I'm not putting them on the level of Jesus Christ. Everything is divine. In fact, you are a spirit that possesses a soul that lives in a body. And look at your neighbor right beside and say, you are divine. You are not a deity. You are not a God, but you are divine. Are y'all understanding where I'm going? Amen. Now, these, Jesus stands up and says, peace be still, and immediately the Bible says he goes and he shows up over across the sea in an area called Perea, in a city called Gadara, or the Gadarenes, which is a part of of a unified league of cities called the Capitalists. There are ten cities that are joined together with the gatherings. And when he walks out of the boat and he steps on the shore, the minute his feet hit the shore, he has entered into the territory of one of the sons of God's 
territory, one of these divine devils that have been over that nation, and he is standing now as the son of the living God in another God's territory, and he has come to implement the word of God and the message of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ so that you can be a child of the living God yourself. If Jesus would have never done this, you would have never, ever heard of the word of God in your so Jesus steps there and immediately, immediately he's in the devil's territory. So God is calling this church to leave the territory and to go out and let's win some territory from the enemy. Are y'all with me this morning? Now listen to me. As he steps forward in there, all hell breaks loose. The nation there called Perea, and I've got to teach a little bit before I preach this message, the nation Perea served this God called Baal. Baal is known in what these people believe. And when Luke wrote this chapter, he believed this. And everybody seen this, and this was their mindset. Baal was one of the seven lords of the underworld. He had been assigned, and they believed that he was assigned 66 legions of demonic devils. The word legion does not mean 2,000. Many people think that because 2,000 of the, the, the pigs went and they killed themselves when he left out of this man. But a legion is 6,876 devils. So it's saying that they believe that Baal, this son of God that has rebelled against God and been given this city and this country called Perea, he is there now and he is the one that is ruling. He is one of the seven lords of the underworld. He is one of the seven generals of the devil's spirits that literally will be in hell. And now Jesus has went over to confront him and he is coming to take the territory and break the gospel of Jesus Christ out from the Jews to the Gentiles. Gentiles, and now Baal has heard this when Jesus on the other side, let's cross over, said let's cross over. It was a war cry that went all the way through the heavens and all of the angels and all of the demonic devils came together and the seas literally began to stir up because they were trying to kill Jesus. A war is going on. Are y'all following me this morning? Baal is one of the seven lords of the underworld. There are seven of them, and each one of them, they believed at that time, was in control of 66 legions of demonic devils called Shedeim. People that are demonic spirits or, or entities that are demonic spirits that possesses people. Now, the practice of the day, if you really do the math on this, you will see if there are seven lords of the underworld and there are over 66 legions of devils, there is over 3 million devils that are out there that the devil has complete 100% control over. Demonic spirits. Y'all following me this morning, amen? And what happened, the practice of the day was that if these demons, they, they actually worship Baal, they were even to the point where they were out there in that area, they were sexually impure. When I say they were sexually impure, if you really study the history of the world of Pariah at that time, you will find out that children were being sacrificed on altars and they were being burnt and they were being offered unto Baal. Not only that, there were men walking around looking like women and women walking around looking like men. There were all this stuff going on that you were seeing happening today here in the United the states of America. Am I helping anybody yet? Amen. Amen. Now, God, God 
God has sent Jesus over there to lay the groundwork so that he can get done. So what happened, it was believed in that day that, that, that it had a certain person or a sorcerer that was in that area and that sorcerer could take a demon that was more powerful than other demons and take that demon off of you and put it in a man or put it in a woman so that you don't have to fight with them demons anymore. In fact, witch doctors over in that area right now are really rich people simply because they have the belief that they have a stronger demon with them that can assign demons that are literally on everybody else and causing them to cause problems in their life and he can take it out of their life and put it on somebody else's life. So this boy now has been the one that has been the scapegoat for the whole country of Perea. That's why he is possessed with a legion. All of the devils, because of this witchcraft and this witch doctor and the seances and all this stuff that he had done, when any time anybody realized and understood there was a devil operating in their life, they'd run to this witch doctor and they'd pay this witch doctor and the witch doctor would do whatever they'd done and they would send those demons to live in this boy that we call Legion. And here he is, it is affecting him so to where literally he don't have a house, he don't have anything, he don't have a bank account, he ain't got no way to get around, he don't have anything that a man would have in their life at that time, and he is took and he is put into the cemetery, and he has lived on the outskirts right there in the area, and everybody was scared of him, they would take him and they would put him in chains, and when the devil's inside of him would literally rear up, he'd rip the chains out, they were scared of him, but it was better for them to have a scapegoat so they could take every one of the demonic spirits of all and put it in this guy so that he could literally sit there and literally take all of the curses of that whole nation. He was the one that they wrote all this on. Are y'all following me? Does this make sense to anybody? And now God has sent Jesus, Sam, at this hour to go and confront what's going on in the world. This might be a little too deep for some of y'all, I don't know. But I need you to understand God has called his church to cross over and go into the devil's territory and get the devil out of our territory and go into the devil's territory and win some ground back. Amen? Amen. Jesus looks at this man. And the minute that they see Jesus, this man runs out of the tomb and he runs to him and starts crying out and starts acting up. And Jesus commands the devil to come out of him and he bows at his feet and he says, why have you come over here to torment me? What have I got to do with you? Why are you here? This ain't your territory. What have I got to do with your ministry? I ain't over there in your ministry where you've been put out for you to go down. I ain't causing no problems in your ministry. I got these people over here the way I want to have them over here. I'm not causing you any harm. What are you doing over here? You see, you need to understand the devil has place in this world. The devil has their, their ideas and they have their territory. They have their place and there are gods uh, of the devil that is there, the sons of God that are there that are running these territories and I don't know about you, but I can go into certain places and I can feel the oppression from hell in those places. And God is calling us to go into those places and to literally bring the gospel light of Jesus Christ in there. Y'all follow me this morning, amen? I'm fixing to preach, but I'm just giving you this understanding so you can understand where I'm going. And Leisure looks at him and he says, why is it that you've come over here? What have I got to do with you? Jesus didn't tell him. 
He said, come out of them. He called them. He said, I'm legion. And the reason why I'm legion is because many is coming to me. In other words, when he spoke that out, he said, every one of the demonic spirits that the Baal, which is the God that they worship, that is literally in this country, are now in me. So God, Jesus himself, stands right in front of this one little person. Everybody say it was only one. He stands right in front of this one little person. And he stares the devil down, and he stares the, the, the devil down, and he looks at the devil, and he says, you're going to come out of this country. And God, I believe right now through your hearts and through our prayer and through our faith and through our call, God is going to cause an army to rise up in this hour that will stand up and look the devil in the eye. And because of that there, he's going to command every devil that there is in the United States of America to go back to the abyss. I believe that God is going to do it. And here we have now, he looks at this boy that literally has this whole legion that Baal, one of the seven lords of the underworld, has been control of. He's got every one of them in him, and they can act out in him anytime they want to. And God said, you're going to leave the man. And they go to bed and them, oh, Lord, don't make us leave the country. Don't you send us to the, to the abyss. Don't you go over there and say, and give us judgment right now. Why are you wanting to torment me now? I'm not doing anything to hinder your ministry. I've got my territory. you got your territory. And Jesus at him and said, you can go into these pigs, but what happened to the pigs? They went right down into the abyss. Jesus sent them spirits right down into the abyss. And then spirits was banished from the capitalists. Them spirits was banished from the gatherings. Them spirits was banished from that area. He sat there and cleaned up that world and opened up the gates of heaven in that world so that God could go forth and bring a revival. How many have been waiting for a revival to happen in the world today? Amen. How many have been praying for a revival to happen? Amen. How many have been praying for the Lord to fill his churches back up in the United States of America again? How many have been praying for a move of the Holy Ghost like you've never seen? Am I talking to anybody or am I just talking to the wall? I wonder here this morning how many have been praying for God to show up and to show out just for you? How many is ready for the Holy Ghost to take and grab a hold of someone that's looked up by drugs and alcohol and shake them and command that devil to leave them and the devil come back to him again. How many of you right now have been praying for the Lord to show up in a mighty healing revival where people that are in the dead profession going into the funeral house and going to the cemetery that God would raise them up and prove that he still is a God that's got more power than any devil that there is in the world. How many is ready have been praying for your grandkids to throw aside this doctrine from hell that they are a man or they are a girl and they were born the opposite way. I want you to know right now, my God said, I've had enough and I'm calling my church to cross over into the territory, run hell out of the territory that I've got you in and to cross over in this territory and take my territory back because the nation of the United States of America is mine, thus saith Almighty God. Are you with me this morning? And he looks at him and said, you go there. And immediately, the people that fed the pigs began to run the town and publish what was happening. And the people run back and they didn't understand what was happening. All of a sudden, I'm going to share with you, what God is about to do is going to create a bunch of enemies against the church. Because, see, their whole society right now at this point has crumbled right before their eyes. 
The way they have dealt with the supernatural has crumbled right before their eyes. They do not understand what has happened. They don't have this boy now to cast the devils on and put them on the inside. They can't run to the witch doctor now because the witch doctor has just been stripped of all of his power. They ain't no devil in that area anymore because Jesus has sent everyone into the abyss. So he's went in and wrecked the economy. Oh, my God. I wish I could preach this morning. He's went in and wrecked the economy. He's wrecked the social order. He's wrecked it all together. And all he's done, Judy, is he stepped off the boat and he stood there for a few seconds and he turned around and he got back on the boat and he left it. All God is wanting us to do is to make an appearance in the territory that hell has in your life. All God is wanting you to do, Larry, is take a, a, a step or two into the territory that he has with your grandchildren and your grandchildren's children. All he wants you to do is just go and make an appearance and command that devil to leave them so that he can get it free and win a generation to him. Am I talking to anybody? Smile at me. Some of you bothered me this morning. So he tells Legion, he says, Go into the pigs. They go into the pigs. They go down into the abyss. And Legion runs to him as he's starting to leave now. And he says, I want to go with you. I want to go with you. And Jesus does something, Thelma, he never does at this point. Generally, everybody that he's ever healed or he's ever delivered, he said, don't tell nobody nothing. Just go to the priest. Then he tells him, he says, hey, what I want you to do is I want you to go into your house, go back to your house, go into your city and publish what I just done for you. In other words, one person was enough to take down all of the gates of hell and to destroy everything that hell had done for thousands of years in that one little country. And God is saying all he needs right now is one person. One person. Everybody out and say one's enough. I want you to tap that right beside him and say you are enough for Jesus. All God is wanting is one church that believes just and knows just and willing to go for all God needs is one. Amen. All God wants is one. We are enough. Living Word Worship Center is enough to go out there and to destroy what hell has tried to do. Everything hell has tried to do for 200 years in the United States of America can be defeated and brought down by one person that literally will just go out and run hell out of it and God will take one person that he delivers and publishes it all around the world. Amen. The capitalist was an area of ten different cities in the country of Korea. And this little boy that had been legion, that had been possessed, went out into the country and he went to all of these towns. They knew him. They knew him very well. He was the one, when the witch doctor came to them and wanted to take that demonic spirit out of their life, he was the one that was brought before them. And they were literally had the devil transferred from them to this child. They knew him. And when they started seeing him walking through the streets and he was clean in his right mind, sitting there robed like he's supposed to be, not scared of him anymore, and literally walking in his right mind, they began to realize there's something more powerful than this devil that I've been serving. All and God is saying, I'm about to do, you may get this, this is prophecy this morning. God is saying, I'm about to do something in the world right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I just say it, Almighty God, I'm about to do something in the world today that literally is going to show this world that God is more powerful than all the devils that there is out there and any other God that any nation has ever served. Get this, just say it, Almighty God. My 
God said, I am invading every nation that there is in the world, and I am going to deliver one, and I'm going to preach my gospel all through each and every one of them, and as I do so, I am going to bring about a revival like you've never seen, and I'm going to bring it about to the point because the nations are mine, thus saith the Lord, they are my inheritance, and I'm coming after them, and I'm coming after them in 2022 and in 2023, and I am calling for my church right now to stand up and to go forth and to fight the devil and to stand up and win the battle and take the territory back. Is there anybody here with me this morning that's ready to cross over? Smile at somebody right beside of you and say, let's cross over this morning. Amen. Everybody say, all you need is one. That's a pretty good word, isn't it? Amen. If you go a couple more chapters into the scripture, Jesus comes back to the capitalists. Turn to that right beside of you and say, Jesus is on the way back. Oh, I love this. He comes back into the capitalists. Now, Jackie, the last time he was in the capitalists, every one of them that was out there cheating the pigs, they told him, leave from here. We don't want nothing to do with you. The world today is saying, leave from here. We don't want nothing to do with you. Politics in the United States of America, so let's get God out of the school. Let's get God out of the judgment center. Let's get God out of the United States of America. Let's shut down the churches. Let's do all of this stuff. Let's get rid of Jesus. But something is about to happen cataclysmically in the United States of America and in the supernatural realm over us that those that wanted God out of the school, God that those that wanted God out of the judicial system, those that wanted God out of your family, those that wanted God out of your sex life, those that wanted God out of your right to choose, all of that stuff. I'm here to tell you. God is about to do something that's going to cause every one of them that didn't want God to desire God to the deepest part of their individual. And God is going to bring a revival. There's going to be some of these souls that are sitting on the religious courts. Oh, some of these souls that are sitting in the Congress that God is going to convert and call them Paul and begin to bring a revival like you've never seen before in the United States of America. My God, you ought to give God some praise for that this morning. to some drunks and some alcoholics if they really were interested in hearing what Jesus had to say. Wouldn't it be a blessing from Almighty God to stand in front of your school board and they want to hear what thus saith Almighty God needs to be taught to your children? Wouldn't it be wonderful for your your children, your grandchildren, your family that literally thinks you lost it and you lost everything to be able to stand in front of them and share with them what thus saith Almighty God and they got me up. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, God said the storm you've been in to keep you from getting to the territory. He said, I've already spoken and said, peace be still. And you're about to enter into a territory of the devil. And you're going to win the battle. And when you win the battle, there's going to be one that's left there that's going to say, oh, my God, you need to hear about this Lord the worship center up there and what God is doing on the inside of them. You need to hear what God is preaching through the mouth of that prophet, the mouth of that pastor. And you need to go hear him. And God is going to rise up in a mighty army of God right now and break every chain of the enemy and as he breaks every chain of the enemy the power of almighty God is going to change the United States of America because all God needs is one from his territory and all he needs is one from the devil's territory and when two come together nothing can separate him when God's in it amen 
smile at somebody and say, God's a mind to do something wonderful. Oh, not helping anybody. If you get anything out of this, just wave your hand at me here this morning. So he walks into the capitalist. And when he walked into the capitalist, all of them began to desire that Jesus would spend time with them. And a revival broke out. And all ten cities of revival broke out. Smile at that right beside him and said, revival's about to break out. Well, some of y'all don't want revival. Right now, some of you right now got your mind on what you're fixing to eat when you leave from here. Some of you haven't heard a word the preacher said. Some of you have been sitting here like this the whole time. Some of you there on the dating site. Swiping left. Swiping right. You don't know what you're doing right now. See, see, I can get supernatural when I need to. See, while you're doing this right here, you're marrying that devil. When God is calling you, you're marrying that devil. When God is wanting you, you're literally saying, I don't want you, God. I don't really believe that. That's something I ain't never heard before in my life. Maybe you need to start hearing something that you've never heard before in your life. Because when Jesus showed up, he began to tell things that they never heard before in their life. He began to say, the kingdom of God is here right now. Repent, get ready, because the Son of God is walking on the face of this earth. I want you to understand, my God is wanting to bring a revival. He's been aching to bring a revival. He's been calling his people to bring a revival. He's been begging his people to bring a revival. Brother Larry, he's been wanting to use his people to bring a revival. But his people have been sitting back in the storms of life. And they've been sitting out there on their boat. And they're both about to go down. And they're worried all up and freaked all out. Because hell is fighting them. And they don't realize what's going on. And literally they're waiting for Jesus to come to him. And they're letting Jesus go to sleep in their life. And it's time for the church to wake up themselves. And to go and go to Jesus and sit at his feet and wake him up in their life and say, Stir yourself up, do something because I got to get to where you're sending me. Because I know where you're sending me at is going to be the breakthrough point. And when I get my breakthrough, I'm going to win the world for you. Can somebody say amen? amen. Smile at that right beside and say, We're about to cross over. And all you need is one. Smile at that and again, right beside of you. Grab them by their hand, pull them to you a little bit, and say, God only needs one. Are you going to be that one? Are you going to be that one church? Is Living Water Worship Center going to be that one church that will go out and show the world faith? Jesus said, where is your faith? He looked at those disciples and said, where's your faith? I've just raised the dead in front of your eyes. I just healed the people that were crippled right before your eyes. I just cast devils out of people right before your eyes. I done already showed you my power. I done already showed you. Some of you right now 70, 80 years old and God has made sure your heart has pumped your blood through your body against the devil using the doctor to tell you that you ain't going to live any longer. You've had cancer. You've had this. You've had that. But God has shown that he is your God and you are his child and now he's going I'll raise you up in this last hour and send you into the territory to look hell right straight in the eye and say you will lose him in the name of Jesus Christ and you will go back to the abyss and I will enforce the victory of the cross of Jesus Christ in my grandchildren's life, in my child's life, in my church's life, in my nation's life. I will not allow hell to overtake the holy ground that God is giving.
given unto us. And it's time to church raise us in the power of God and let hell know we know what's going on. Amen. Smile at that right beside say, I'm crossing over. Oh my God, tell my brother and say, I'm going to cross over. Amen. Where's my worship team at? Tell them to come here right quick. Amen. Hurry up, come here. Praise the Lord. Stay with me to your feet. Well, I'll get some moving in just a few moments. Amen. Praise the Lord. In the name of Jesus, there is power. In the name of Jesus, there is power. In the name of Jesus, break every chain, 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 break every chain.
Father, that the Holy Spirit reigns beginning to fall upon our grandchildren. And the Holy Spirit reigns beginning to fall upon our senses. That the Holy Ghost reigns beginning to fall upon our politics. That the Holy Ghost reigns beginning to fall upon our judicial system. Father, that it's beginning to fall upon our executive branch. Father, that it is falling upon the governor's houses in the United States of America. We are stepping forward, going across and over into the enemy's territory right now. We're taking back what hell is coming from us. We're taking it back in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, we give you praise in advance. 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 We give you praise in advance in Jesus' name. Open the floodgates of hell. Let it rain. Testament. 
You never read of anybody casting the devil out of anybody. You never read that. Jesus is actually the first recorded teacher in the uh, rabbinic culture that actually cast the devil out. So when they saw Jesus have power over the demons, they saw Jesus have power over the devils, they knew right then that he was the son of David, and they also knew that he was the Messiah. Psalm 91 is one of my favorite ones. How many would agree with that tonight? Say amen. It's a psalm, though, of exorcism. It is one of four different psalms that David wrote to be sung over someone that was oppressed or possessed with the devil. Three of those psalms never made it into the King James Version, but Psalms 91 did. It's interesting to know that Psalms 91 was the one psalm out of all the psalms that the devil quoted in the wilderness as he tempted Jesus. It's a very powerful psalm. It's the only psalm that's found written in the Bible that was over in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And Jews believed that David wrote this psalm and that all the sons of David would have the anointing to have power over demonic spirits. However, they believed that when the Son of Man would come or the Messiah would come, he would have the authority to cast devils out. Now, as you read through that, and you look at it there a little bit and kind of read through what I'm talking, do you see any references to demonic spirits? Most people, when they read it, do not. Snare of the Fowler, yes. That's there. So there's some references to demonic spirits. But we want to talk about this a little deeper. And here's why, because it's so important for us to do that right now, is because you're going to find out as we go through the study tonight that this is one of the most important psalms that we need right now. Because these demonic spirits that I'm going to talk to you about, they are in full swing right now in the United States of America. They have been full swing in the world. Those of you that have been praying Psalm 91 over people, how many of you would just raise your hands and say, I've been doing that? Let me just see that real quick. Okay. Those of you that have been praying for that, the Holy Spirit has led you to do that. There's a reason for it. And as he is praying for that, I want you to understand, and you can write this across the top of your notes, the devil does not give up territory easy. When he's got one, two, three agreeing together, and he knows his time is short, he is going to try everything he can possibly try to get yeah. your focus and your faith off of it and to keep yeah. you from doing what you need to do. He's going to do everything he can possibly do to keep you from praying the song. And for the longest period of time in my life, I slept with this song written out up under my pillow. Because I was harassed with uh, extremely bad nightmares. And when I, when I was very young, I would wake up almost every night with an extremely bad nightmare. I could tell you right now some of the things that I've seen in these nightmares. I honestly believe them to be demons. My mother wrote down Psalm 91 for me and put it in my pillowcase. And every time she would wash my pillowcase, she'd put Psalm 91 back up under it. That was the only way that I could get any risk. Because I was literally terrorized every night until she started to do that. That went on from the time I was about three years old to the time that I was about nine years old. And mom finally found what could help 
and she began to do that to me, and I began to sleep. I, and Darlene would tell you, we used to try and sleep on the floor at Alpha. We had so many people in the house. Mom and Daddy slept on the bed, me and Darlene sleep on the floor. And I about beat Darlene to death. Waking up in the middle of the night because something was trying to kill me. I honestly felt that. There were times I'd set up at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning, and Mom and Dad, the whole house, would woke up, and I would tell them that he's going to kill me. He's going to kill me. He's going to kill me because he was coming to kill me. And when Mom wrote that out and put it, and I began sleeping at my pillow, then from there on out, I didn't have any trouble with that. Even when I got married and I left home and I lived by myself for the longest period of time, I would sleep with the Bible in my pillowcase because I didn't want to confront this stuff anymore. And thanks be to God, now I know why. So God is a good God. Amen. Psalm chapter 91, if you have that tonight, say amen. I want to read it. I'm going to give you some words to underline and look at. I believe that you're going to get a good revelation of this tonight. The Bible says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And that verse where you underline the word Most High and the word Almighty. Verse 2 says, And I will say of the Lord, underline Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, underline my God, in Him will I trust. Surely, everybody say surely. Surely. That word means there is no doubt, there is no uh, negative in that surely. It says, surely he will deliver me. Everybody say that with me. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, underline the word fowler, and from the noisome pestilence, underline noisome pestilence. Scripture goes on to say that he shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust and his truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. Underline that, terror by night. By the way, before I go any further, how many of you have been at times assaulted with uh, nightmares in your life? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, gotcha. Underline terror by night. Nor of the error that flieth by day, underline that, era that flieth by day. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, underline that, pestilence that walks in the darkness. It's amazing to think that pestilence walks, some getting it. Nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday, underline that. So we have destruction that shows up at noontime and destroys at noontime. Then it says, A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, underline the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, underline that, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion, underline that, and the adder, underline that. The young lion, underline that, and the dragon, underline that 
shalt thou trample under your feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. This is God talking there. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him, and I will set him on high, because he has known my name. How many of you here tonight knows the name of Jesus? You remember me asking you so last time we talked, find out who the name of God is. Okay, we're going to... I'm not going to give you that answer tonight, but I'm going to give you enough of a desire to go find what it is. Amen. Because you've got to know it. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble. And I will deliver him. Not only will I deliver him, but I will honor him. And with long life, I'm going to satisfy him and show him, underline my salvation. I will show him Yahshua, Jesus. Verse number one, in the original language, says this. It says, the one dwelling in the help of the highest shall lodge in the protection of the God of heaven, who is more than enough. I want to read it again, so if you want to write it down. The one that dwells in the help of the highest shall lodge in the protection of the God of heaven who is more than enough. Now the word dwell there in verse number one means to house permanently. It means that you make up your mind that God is your God and he is your God forever. He is your God. Everyone just say that with me and I say God is my God. God then say God. I just say Yahweh is my God. See the devil don't want you to to really understand what it means to say Yahweh God. He don't want you to understand what it means to say Jehovah God. And everyone here tonight just again say Yahweh is my God and say forever. Oh, you just serve notice on the devil. He don't know what to do in your life already. The Bible says that he that is dwelling in the secret place of the Most High the word secret place in the Greek Septuagint says he that's dwelling in the help of the Lord. So this place that we are in is where we get help from the Lord. But it goes deeper than that. It means you are tied to him like a rope. It means that you can't go too far away because you are tied to his habitation. That means Darlene might want to run for a little while, but she will have to be jerked back into his habitation. It means to be covered in a secret hiding place and shut out of the view of the enemy. Oh, say this, because the devil don't want you to get this. Say, I know now the enemy can't even see me. If we live like that, hell wouldn't know what to do with it anymore. The devil, when we are in the secret place of the Most High, he cannot even find you. He don't even know how to reach you, Melvin. He don't know where you're at. He don't know what's going on with you. He can't see you. You can go right into his territory, and you can do everything that needs to be done in the territory, and God will hide you in every action that you've got in there. You are shut out of his view, and on top of all that, that word means that you are sheltered under the protection of Almighty God. One of my favorite songs is, I'm sheltered in the arms of God. That is my, one of my favorite songs. I love to sing that. I'm sheltered in 
don't you? So let the storm rage high. Let the uh, dark clouds rise. They ain't going to worry me because I'm sheltered in the arms of the living God. Amen. So if you are dwelling in the high, most high secret place, the word most high is the, the word El Elyon. In Hebrew, it's spelled E-L-E-L-Y-O-N. If you're taking notes on that, it's very important that you understand that. It literally means Yahweh, the God of Israel. Not just Yahweh, it means Yahweh, the God of Israel. So one of the reasons why I'm carrying you a little deeper into the supernatural is because you need to understand why they identify God, Yahweh, as the God of Israel. He selected Abraham after he disinherited all the other nations on the earth at Babel and he selected Abraham to bring a nation here on this earth to bless the entire earth. That's why he is called Yahweh, the God of Israel. He is the most high. Look at verse number one and two as I read something to you here right quick. This is the original language it says. Let the one who sits in the shelter of Elion, who spends the night in the shadow of Shaddai, say to Yahweh, you're my refuge, you're my fortress, you are my Elohim in whom I will trust. Now notice what he's saying there. He's saying, let the one who sits in the shelter of the Most Tower, Elion, who spend in the night in the shadow of the God that is the God that is more than enough, let him say to God, you're my refuge, you're my fortress, you're my God, and I'm going to trust in you. Say that with me tonight. Say it with me. Say, you are my refuge. God, you are my fortress. You are my God in whom I'm going to trust. You need to write that down, and you need to start saying that on a daily basis. How many would agree with that? I'm telling you, when you do this, you are instituting, you're invoking the protection of God on your life. You're invoking the habitation of Oh, God, you're invoking the secret place of Almighty God, and the devil can't get close to you. So once again, we need to start saying, God, you are my refuge. Yahweh, you are my refuge. You are my fortress. You are my God, and I'm going to trust in you. I'm not going to trust in the government. I'm not going to trust in my preacher. I'm not going to trust in my husband. I'm not going to uh, trust in my wife. I am going to trust in you. I'm not going to trust in my money. I ain't going to trust in anything. Else. Whatever the situation is in my life, I am going to trust in you. Can the church say amen? Now, God, right now, is actively acting as your protector. He is your protector. How many of you realize how much God has actually protected you? I wish we did. Because we wouldn't have to beg nobody to praise Him. We wouldn't have to beg nobody to worship Him. If we fully understood how much He has protected us just this day. We would come in here with our hands up, lifted, running around, praising the Lord, walking the few. We'd go downtown and praise the Lord. Because whether you realize or not, every germ that hit your hand today was sent from hell to kill you. It was not sent to make you sick. It was sent to kill you. Everything that is going on where the devil's out there, I'm going to tell you, there are certain times and certain areas that the devil has time and he has place in and he has power in, and you have walked through them places today, and if you were not hidden by the protective hand of Almighty God, you may not have ever walked out of there. We need to praise the Lord that he is our protector, amen? He, he prevents us from ser uh, serious injury or serious danger or serious harm. 
I'm telling you, there's been many times Tina and I've been coming to the church since we've been married, and we've almost been in a wreck in God's hands because sometimes it's been almost miraculous that we've made it here. God is always protecting his children. Can the church say amen? And he defends us and helps us resist attack that comes upon us. Right now, I am a fighting and uh, an attack on me on my respiratory system. It has been coming on me since July. But in most people that have been having it this long, you know what, Thelma? They wouldn't be up here tonight, and they definitely wouldn't be preaching, and they definitely wouldn't be trying to live for the Lord. Most of them would be in the hospital right now and not being able to breathe. But my God has stood in the gap for me, and he has resisted that attack that's come on me. And the more that I tell him, I'm still going to trust you. No matter what he'll tries to do to me, I'm still going to trust you. More than anything else in the world, then he is going to take care of me. And he, that there literally means that he's going to shield you from unpleasant experiences. There are some of you right now, he has shielded you from some bad hurts that would have literally destroyed you. Oh, we got a good God, don't we? Amen. He's also uh, instituted safeguard measures in your life that keep you safe. There are angels around you that is clearing things out before you ever get there. Right. There are angels behind you that once you go to a place and you make a mess of it, they're cleaning it all up so that the authorities ain't coming to get you to carry you to jail. Hello, everybody say amen. The Lord's taking care of a lot of things for us. Amen. So if we really knew what it meant to be in the secret place of the Most High, we wouldn't have to beg nobody to come to church on Wednesday night, would we? Amen. Say this with me. Say, Yahweh, Yahweh is my security system. So what does a security system do? It protects you. What does it do when the, when, when the, you know, a, a burger shows up at your house? It brings you out of sleep if you're asleep. Amen? If you ain't around your house, what does it do? It sends off an alarm and everybody knows something's going on at the worm residence over here. We need to get over here and find out what's going on. God is our security system. I want to, I want to preach a message on that. God is my security system. Say that with me. Yahweh is my security system. I could preach on that all night long. Amen. He is your place of safety and refuge. And he is your sanctuary. He's a place that you can go and you can have peace amidst all of the storm. On top of all of that, he is also your immunity. The Bible says in the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, that we wrestle against things that are not flesh and blood. But it goes on in Ephesians chapter 6, and it tells us that we have an armor from God. And in that armor, we have the shield of faith, which is able to quench every fiery dart of the wicked. That word for shield of faith, quenching every fiery dart, it simply means you have spiritual immunity against the devils. The reason why you don't hear this in churches and you don't hear people go real deep into spiritual warfare is because they're scared to death of the power of the devil. That's right. God said, if you are in my secret place, you will not be fearful of the power of the enemy. I am not negating the fact that the enemy does have power. He does have power. He's got it and people give it to him. And once he gets it, he takes a mile. And he'll stand there and he'll fight to hold on to it. But thanks be to God, once you accept that Jesus has brought you into the family of Yahweh and that he is your God and he is your refuge and that he has taken care of you and you are living there with him, he is protecting you. He's being your security system. You are in a place of sanctuary hidden from view of the enemy. You are immune 
and you are protected and you are exempt from everything that hell is through you. He even at times in your life has exempted you from penalties when you really have messed up. We got a loving God. Amen. He is our insurance policy and he helps us prevent loss as well. So everybody here tonight, I just want you to give your God a good hand clap of praise like you did to me tonight. He that dwelleth in the secret place of Elion, the most high, the most high God. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. The word almighty, and you've heard it before, is the, uh, the word El Shaddai. El Shaddai, it literally means the God who is more than enough. Everyone say, God, you're God, you're more than enough. Amen. Now notice this, it goes deeper than just saying he's more than enough. He's more than enough here on earth. He's more than enough in the heavens. He's more than enough in the wilderness. He's more than enough in all of the storms. He's more than enough and all sufficient and most powerful. He is literally the most violent hunter against your enemy that there is in this world. He's more than enough on the mountain and he's more than enough on the valley. You see, that's what that word means. My God is a God that is more than enough for me. He's going to take care of you and he's more than enough. you got something left over. Amen. Turn to that right beside of you and say that means you're walking in the overflow right now. Now you've got to get that now because he's more than enough. You are walking in the overflow and we need to begin to start living in the overflow. Amen. Now anybody that studies Psalm 91 and really begins to start looking at it, they're going to come up, with the, uh, come up to the interesting fact. That Psalm 91, in its very earliest interpretation from all the rabbis, from all of the fathers in the Jewish nation, that it was always and has always been associated with the demonic. It's always been associated with the demonic. From early interpretation, Jewish tradition links it with the ability to ward off demons. So if you're going through a problem, you're going through an issue, you're going through a trial, and the devil shows up in your house, if you want to get rid of the devil, get your Bible down and read out Psalm 91. The minute you start reading it out, the devil's got to back up. It does work. Anybody ever done that tonight? Say amen. The reason why we are given it, and David wrote it, and the book of Psalm is the song book for the second temple. Everybody got them, they're all songs. And I'd love to take them and put words with them. The reason why we have it is because humans have the tendency to live in fear of the spirits. Either you're fearful of God, you're fearful of the Holy Ghost. We got Christians right now that are scared to death of the Holy Ghost. And we got people in the church right now and people in the world that are scared to death of the devil. They're scared to death of the demonic power. We have people right now that are going out to all these here, uh, say off having seances and are going out to these psychics to try to get protection for an enemy. There are people right now, if someone dies in a the house, they ain't going to go live in that house. And they're Christians. Scared to death that a ghost was left behind. Y'all got to hear me now. Look at me, you don't think I'm crazy, darling, but they are ghosts. They are ghosts. We're going to prove that by the scriptures too as well. But we got people that are living daily in the fear of spirits, both good and evil. And for good reason. 
truth is, those spirits, if you give them the control in your life, can control your destiny. If you don't know who you're fighting against, you can give right in to everything that they're wanting to do in your life. They can snuff your life out quickly and your destiny be taken away if you play into their hands. There is a good reason why people are fearful. But thanks be to God, God's children does not have to be fearful. I ain't got to be fearful of it, amen? In the past and even until today, many have sought to manipulate the spirits and go out and do certain things for them to get them to do something for them and do their bidding. We have witches today because they want to manipulate certain spirits and cast curses on people. But we got a lot of Christians today that treat God like he's a God in an emergency. And they come before God and say, oh, God, I got in all this mess. I got in all this. Lord, if you'll get me out of this, I'll never do this again. Anybody ever heard that prayed before? Yeah. I've prayed that before. And you run right back out there and you get yourself in the same old mess. Not every time. Trying to manipulate a spirit. If you've got God on your side, you do not have to manipulate the spirit. Can the church say amen here today? So many have used even magic and manipulation to try to get things what they want to do. But an overwhelming majority of, of the pre-modern biblical scholars, they have looked at this chapter, Psalm 91. They've read it as a psalm that has power, not only over demonic spirit, but power to help you avert all of the evil influences and all the bad luck that you got in your life. I hate to hear a Christian say, Lord, that's just my luck. Oh, yeah. Tain't got a little saying. It's called, what is it? Luck. Hillbilly luck. Hillbilly luck. Whatever she calls it. <laughs> if it's going to happen to anybody, it'll happen to us. Love, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Love, despair, and agony on me. I am so tired of hearing Christians talk like that because they don't have to live like that. They can be set free of that. They don't have to live in fear. They can be hidden from all of these evil spirits and they don't even know what God is doing in your life. I think that the church needs to get so close to the Lord that the devil don't even know what we're doing. Amen. Now the Jews believe that David and all the sons of David were going to have, was given by God the power and the authority to overcome evil spirits. And they taught through this and several other writings that the, the Messiah was going to be one that's going to come in and he would actually cast the devil out of their life. And when he began to see that, they began to see that they were supposed to accept him as the Messiah. But David wrote this song and he wrote this song and Yahweh, God, the Most High God, anointed this song to, he wrote it to the people that were possessed. And when people were possessed, they could start singing this song and they would calm right down. You remember when Saul or was going crazy with that demonic spirit and they would call David in and he'd play the harp and he'd sing, well, this is what he's suffering. And it run the devil out of the, uh, Saul's life. Didn't cast him out. It kept him from doing what it needed to do. So the Bible says, surely God is going to deliver us from the snare of the fowler. Everybody out and say, that's the truth. That's the truth. God says, surely I'm going to do it. So turn to your neighbor right beside and say, don't worry no more. Don't worry. You will 
will be delivered. Amen. God's going to deliver you and take you out of the snare of the fowler. Amen. Somebody needs to give God some praise. Amen. In Psalm 124 and 7, it says this, Our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we are escaped. Oh, I want everybody, I want you to talk to the devil a minute. Will you do that for me tonight? Amen. I want you to say, Devil, your snare has already been broken, and I've escaped now. You can't come get me no more. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 26, it said it like this. For the Lord, or Yahweh God, or Jehovah Yahweh God, shall be thy confidence and shall keep your foot from being taken. God is going to make sure that Thelma is never going to trip and fall again. God is going to make sure that the devil cannot come and hurt in her life and run rapid in her life. God is going to make sure that the confidence that she puts in him is going to be manifested in her life. And that's the God that we serve. Amen. Because deliverance is not accidental. Deliverance is initiated, it's carried out, and it's consummated by our covenant God called Yahweh. When he's ready to deliver you, he's the one that initiates it. He's the one that goes out and does it, and he consummates it, and he takes care of it. So if you need God to deliver you, how many of you need God still to deliver you with some things, amen? Then you can have it right now. All you got to do is say, okay, God, I give it to you. You initiate it. You come in here when you do so, and you carry it out. And when you carry it out, consummate it. And that point in time, hide me from the enemy so that I don't never fall for that anymore, amen? So he said that surely he's going to deliver you from the snare of the fowler. What's the fowler? Anybody have any idea what a fowler is? Well, in your notes, you might want to write down there the word fowler in a minute. It is symbolic of the Satan or Satan. This is the snare of the devil. The devil gets you by snaring you. Now, a fowler is someone that goes out and they catch birds, and they catch birds by laying down traps and snares. And then he casts his net over the bird, and he snares that bird, he traps that bird in the areas where the birds congregate. So if the birds come and fly down and his net's down on the ground, the minute they land, he jerks them up with the net. That's called a fowler. If he's going to snare them, he'll go out and he'll put a snare out there. And as they walk through that snare, their foot will be caught in the snare. And then he steps out to the side. Now get this point. He steps out to the side and he hides over here in the area where he's expecting you to fall at and get ensnared at. And the minute you get ensnared, here he comes and he comes in there and he captures you. That's what a fowler does. So and guess what the devil does is he's going out there spreading nets in your life. He's out there setting snares in your life. He's out there doing all this stuff in your life. He's wanting to capture you. He's wanting to bring you out. What he's trying to do is to take you out of the field and to kill you. And he is setting all these little things up in your life so that you'll fall into them. And then he sits back and he waits to see you fall into it. And the minute he falls in there, he's just like the old fowler that was out there trying to get the bird. Then he runs up to you and he captures you. And then he's got a place in your life. And boy, you got a mess from there on out. But the Bible says that the snare has been broken. Don't say that way, but say the snare's been broken. God didn't say that you were going to live your life completely free of falling in the snare. 
Every now and again, you're going to fall in one of the snares of the enemy. Are y'all with me tonight? But get this, even if the devil's snare will grab a hold of you, God said that that snare will be broken and your foot will not be taken out and you will escape. So smile at that right beside it and say, even if I do fall, the devil can't capture me. God, right there, that's enough right now. If you took that, we can walk through. That's why I love this chapter. Amen. What this is referencing is the devil's evil schemes and all the devices that he uses to come in and move on unsuspected souls and begin to come in and bring them sin and eventually lead them to death. But the Bible says we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Tell you, right beside me, I ain't ignorant of them devices. And tonight, when you leave, you're going to be even more knowledgeable about some of his devices. The more of these devices we learn, the more we're going to be able to avoid the snares of the fowler. Amen? The more of these spirits that he's assigned to our life that we have learned and we know about them, the more we know about them, the more we're going to be able to tell when they're showing up and know what to do to get rid of them. How many is ready to walk more free with the Lord you've ever walked before in your life? So he's referencing all these satanic, evil little schemes, and he begins to share with you. Now, get this. You might want to write this down. Satan always works in the shadows. And what the devil does, Eva, is not easily seen. Without the gift of discernment, you don't even know when he's working. He presents himself as an angel of lights. And you will think that you are in there and what you are hearing and what you are doing is the absolute truth. And all of a sudden you wind up and realize, oh my God, I have been led away from the devil and here I am in his snare. So the devil operates in shadows. And his most powerful weapon is stealth and surprise. He hides and he surprises you. How many of you love surprises? Don't see nobody raising. I don't like to be surprised, do y'all? I like to know what's going on tomorrow. I like to know what's going to happen next week. I sit down and I plan with my money to pay all my bills. I've done all that all my life. I don't like no surprise. I don't want you to come knocking on my door and say, I come to get your car. I don't want no surprise like that in my life. The devil operates hidden from you, and he comes in to bring surprises in your life. And then he lays in wait and attacks you when you least expect it. When everything's going wonderful, that's when he'll attack you, amen? And his goal is to keep his victims trapped until they die. And I want to tell you, we got Christians that have accepted Jesus Christ, they'll probably make it to heaven, but they are living trapped by the enemy right now. And we need to be able to bring deliverance to them. Jesus said, I have come to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He said, I've come to preach the gospel to the ones that are brokenhearted. He said, I have again come to preach deliverance to those that are held captive. And I believe that the church needs to get back to preaching the deliverance to those that are held captive. Although we believe in the Lord, we haven't moved close enough to where we are living freedom over the devil and putting our head, our, our, our foot down on his head and taking over the lion's area and coming out of the sea serpent and the dying and winning every battle we need to have deliverance in the house of the Lord one thing you need to realize is that the powers of the evil spirits wants to annihilate God's people and he wants to override every plan that God has in your life 
But thank you to God, God says, I'll override every one of his plans. Everybody say, God's already overrode your plans, devil. I'm living in victory. Can the church shout out and say amen? amen. So, we are prey to our adversary. God knows that. And God makes sure that we are not defenseless birds. He makes sure that we are not objects and targets of the powers of darkness without being aware of it. He shares with us how we are to escape when we fall into a snare. The Bible says there is no temptation that has come upon man that is not common unto man. And with that temptation I have given you a way of escape. Nobody has to live the way that they've been living in, in depravity and in bondage and in all this poverty and all that. They don't have to live like that the rest of your life. God has given you a way out of that. Amen. The Bible says, surely God will deliver you. Oh, turn to that neighbor right beside me and say, surely God's going to deliver you. Oh, just as quick as you'll let him and you'll believe it, he'll deliver you. Just as quick as you get into the, the hidden secret place of Almighty God, he will deliver you. Surely he will deliver you and he will shield you from every snare of the devil and he will shield you from every trap of the enemy that has been set for you and he will literally come in and take things that are visible and show you where they're at and then he'll go and show you where things are unseen and say, here's where that's at. The Bible says that the word of God is the light unto my path. So there is no reason for why any pre-Christian should ever walk into the snare of the enemy because if you are reading the word of God, the word of God will light your path up and you will never step in another mud hole the rest of your life in the church give God a good hand clap for that. Amen. That is living in the victory and the protection of Almighty God. I love this, this song. How many of you love it? Amen. But let's find out what he'll deliver it from. First off, that noise and pestilence. I'm just going to give you a definition. We'll come back and talk to it. That noise and pestilence means a dangerous pandemic that is a disease at the level of pandemic to where it has come so quickly it kills everybody gets hold of. Haven't we and aren't we still living in a pandemic? Before they even knew what it was, it was killing thousands. I don't know how many it wound up killing all across the United States of America, but this noisome pestilence come in, and the word noisome means it happened real quick. When this pestilence come in, I want you to notice something. Every word that I'm talking to you about today, we're talking about a demonic spirit, a noisome pestilence. We're going to name him tonight. You're going to get to know who he is. You're going to get to know what his area is. And you're going to know how to overcome him. Amen. Can somebody say amen tonight? Matter of fact, right there beside that on the noise and pestilence, write this name out here because here's his name. Here's a demon's name in the scripture in Hebrew. It is Deber. It is still D-E-B-E-R. And there's nothing in the world with you wrong with you in the name of Jesus Christ binding the attack of the bear and overriding him and sending him out of your territory. His name means a destruction by death. He takes a spoken judgment of God or a spoken judgment of God's children or a spoken judgment of a man or a woman and he goes in and he brings death. The Bible says there is life and death in the power of your tongue. 
So that means when Billy begins to say, I bind you to bear in the name of Jesus Christ, he knows that you know who he is and you have stopped the death that he is trying to do in your life. We're going to get into that a little bit deeper tonight. How many learned something? Amen. The second one is the terror by night. His name is Pahad. And it's spelled P-A-H-A-D. And his, his second name, or he's also referred to as Lahil, which is spelled L-A-Y-I-L, Pahad Lahil. We'll get into that a little bit deeper, a little bit later. The arrow that flies by day is a demonic devil by the name of Resheph, and his name is spelled R-E-S-H-E-P-H. R-E-S-H-E-P-H. I don't want to go too fast. The terror by night is Pahad Leola. The error that flies by day is Refesh. Reshef. R-E-S-H-E-P-H. Terror by day. The error that flies by day. The next phrase is pestilence that walks in darkness. This is another demonic devil that works with the bear, D-E-B-E-R. He works with him, hand in hand. He's parallel with him. When, he, when the bear shows up with this pestilence, this destruction, then you have Halak Opel, and it's spelled H-A-L-A-K-O-P-E-L. A lot of people say, why are you going so deep with this? Because it's important for you to know their name. H-A-L-A-K. O-P-E-L. The phrase, destruction that wasteth at noonday, is a demonic devil by the name of Quetzal. It's spelled Q-E-T-E-D. Q-E-T-E-B. Then as you go on down a little bit in there, you're going to run across one called the lion. His name is Shahal. It's spelled S-A-H-A-L. Then you're going to find a young lion, and his name is Kapir, spelled K-E-P-I-R. Then a little bit deeper, you're going to run across one called the dragon. His name is Tannin, T-A-N-N-I-N. Then you've got Ketev that is at the destruction that wastes at noonday. But the devil that comes and works with him at noonday is Yashid or Yasid. Like my brother said, Yasid. Thank God Mama didn't name me Sydney. Y'all see that. Every one of these are what the old ancient people believed were demonic devils. They were Canaanite gods or Canaanite godhead that they had set up and they worshipped these devils. It's important you know that because they are true spiritual entities. So what is a demon? Katrina, what's a demon? Give me a definition for a demon. 
Something tried to kill you. What's the demon? That demon, what's the demon? Something sent from the devil. Okay, what's the, what's the demon? An evil spirit. What's the demon? What's the demon? What's the demon? A fallen angel. Partly. Close. The Bible says that Jesus was the, the Lamb of God slain since the foundation of the earth. That word foundation in the original Greek is the word katabola. And it means the overthrow of the social system on the earth. So at the time that God, between Genesis chapter number 1, verse 1, and Genesis chapter 1, verse number 2, destroyed the earth because the angels rebelled against God. God destroyed the earth. According to the scripture, the Bible says that he reached down and he grabbed the earth by his hand and turned it completely upside down. Peter said this. He said that these people are willingly ignorant of this. He said the earth existed out of the water, then it went into water, then it existed out of the water, and then it went into water again. And Jeremiah said, I saw the earth, and I saw the earth when it was flooded, and there was no man on the earth, and there was no animal on the earth. Now let me ask you, Noah's flood, were there men still on the earth? Yeah, there was eight. Were there animals still on the earth? So he's not talking about that flood there. Listen to this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. There was a social system on this earth that was here on this earth before God ever created Adam and Eve, but God destroyed it because they went and rebelled with Lucifer. And then God said, get this, now you've got to put the scripture together. Then God said, hell, or Jesus said, that hell was created for the devil and his angels. So hell was not created until there was a devil and some angels that fell. So these spirits that were in these entities or these beings that was here on this earth, when they were destroyed, they had no place to go. So when they died, every spirit went up in the air. And they're still in the air. So yes, they are fallen angels, but it also takes in this social system that was before. And these spirits are disembodied spirits. That's what the word devil means, or demon means. Disembodied spirit, a spirit at one time that dwelled in a body, but does not dwell in a body anymore. The fallen angels dwelled in a spiritual body, and they're saved. And when they left, they were coming and accepted another form, so they don't have the body there. They're disembodied spirit. So we have demons out there, but let me share something a little bit deeper than that. Am I going too fast with anybody? Amen. The original meaning back in the ancient days in the first century when Jesus was here on this earth for the word demon meant that they were divinity. They were not deities. They were divinity. They were individuals, spirits, that had become gods or goddesses. Doesn't mean that she was female or the spirit was female. They appeared like they were a female. The original language or the original doctrine that was taught by the Jews was they were spirits to occupy dangerous places. They lived out in the desert. They lived out in the lonely waste places. They lived in deserted byways. 
They were out in the wilderness. In Genesis chapter number 4, verse number 7, uh, in, in Genesis chapter number 3, actually, we find the first one of them called the serpent. But then there's another one that this church really knows and knows very well. We have fought this devil for 40 years, right at 50 years now, and we have had him come in this place, and he's caused all types of trouble in this church. And in Genesis chapter number 4, verse number 7, he gives us his name. His name is Rabisu, R-A-B-I-S-U. It's the same word that we get rabies from. The Bible says when Cain brought his fruit to God and he offered it unto him, he would not be accepted by God and he got mad and God looked at him and said, Cain, why are you wroth? Why are you upset? If you do good, I'll accept you. But if you don't, sin crouches at the door. What he meant by that is, hey, Rabbisu is out there at the door, crouching at the door, and in the dark, dark corners of your life, he's going to take you, and he will use you, and he will literally bring you to naught. Another one is Azazel. We haven't really heard a whole lot about that, but let me give you this. Azazel was the devil that everyone considered at that time a demonic spirit that lived in the wilderness. How many of you know about the Day of Atonement in the Bible? The Day of Atonement is the day that the priest went and he gave a, a, a sacrifice of blood to God and he went to the Holy of Holies and he stood there and shed blood so that the, all the sins of Israel would be forgiven. And before he went in, he would take two goats and he would lay his hands on two goats. And as he did, one of them became a scapegoat. And one would take that scapegoat and carry him out to the wilderness for Azazel. He was given back to Azazel. Here's why. Listen to what I'm trying to say. In Israel, the land was counted to be holy ground. Sin cannot exist on holy ground. The belief was to carry him out into the wilderness or across the, the, the border of the country and put them out there and give them back to that evil spirit that's living in the wilderness. So Azazel is another demonic devil. How many learned something tonight? Amen. Here's what they believe though. They believed, and I want you to understand, this is what they believe, and I've got to tell you, we cannot discount what God wrote to these people that believe this. We've got to understand why God wrote this and why these people believe it. They believed that these devils held power over during certain dangerous times, certain periods of time during the day, but chiefly at night. Chiefly during the time when you were sleeping or in a bad storm that they were there. In an eclipse, in the heat of the midday or when you were having birth or when you first got married. So they believed all this. Turn around to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 22. This is going to blow your mind. I know that if I was on social media tonight, I would be blocked when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyhow because it's the truth. Amen. Amen. In your notes, write down the name Kamala. Kamala. Write it down. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse number 22. The 
Bible says, The Lord, Yahweh, shall smite thee with a consumption and with a fever and with an inflammation and with an extreme burning and with the sword and with blasting and with mildew and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. Each one of those, the blasting, the mildew, all this stuff, that is a devil, a demon. The names of them is written out in Hebrew. Why did I tell you to write that out? Because if you look at this right here where it says that there is blasting and mildew, that blasting is their name Lilith, L-I-L-I-T-H. Lilith was believed to be a lascivious female devil that haunted men in the middle of the night. Kamalah in Hebrew is Lilith. I know right then on, on Facebook I'd be blocked. But if you'll look in that verse right there in 22, there are seven different entities that are going to bring these things about. They are called the seven lords of the underworld or the netherworld. Seven lords of the devil. Seven generals in the devil's army. Look at Deuteronomy 2866 while we're there. We want to look at one that's mentioned in Psalm chapter number 92. You have that say amen? amen? And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and shalt have none assurance of their life. The word for day there is Yamam, Y-O-M-A-M. We're not going to talk about him tonight, we're going to talk about him later on. But the one for night is Lael, L-A-Y-I-L. Why is all that important, Kip? Why in the world are you sitting here putting me through school like this? I'll be forgot all this tomorrow anyhow. <laughs> Go back to Psalm chapter number 91 there where it says that you shall not have to fear, be fearful at night. Psalm chapter 91. Oh, yes. How many would make this a professional with me tonight? Say, Devil, Devil. I ain't got to fear Kamala. I want to tell you there is something going on with our leadership today. There is something going on that is demonic with our people, not only in the White House, but in the Congress and in the Governor's State House. And I pray in the next six days that God will start turning this around. I pray that God will have a breakthrough in this hour. I know it's going to happen. I already know it's going to happen. Look over there where it says, He says, There's surely He's going to deliver you from the snare of the Father and the noise and pestle. He's going to cover you. And in verse 5, He said, You shall not be afraid for the terror by night. The word there is Pahad, P A H A D, and L A Y I L. I just told you to spell that out, which means come on. I'm not going to get into conspiracy theory, but I will tell you this. It would not surprise me that when they find out about this 
COVID, that Kamala Harris was behind it 100%. It would not surprise me. Because the Bible pretty much already names her anyway. So it says there, your life is not going to hang in doubt before you, and thou shalt not fear day and night. And then he goes in and he says, you're not going to fear the terror by night. You're not going to fear this demon called Bahad Leil. So we're not going to have to do that there. Let me tell you what happens to this. This particular devil was believed to attach itself to pregnant women to kill the baby. Either of their own accord or to kill it at childbirth. She is pushing this stuff. I'm telling you, she's been pushing all along. We need to hear what does saith Almighty God right now. Not only that, it attached itself to marriages. If you've ever had a big argument with your wife or your husband, it's because this old devil was raising up her head, or his head. And these marriages trying to kill not only a baby, but trying to kill the marriage too as well. And on top of that, it's not just trying to kill your marriage and your relationship, it's trying to kill your children. Now go further. They believe that demons have power over certain periods of the day, the morning, the noon, the evening, and at midnight. Anybody realizes that at night, especially on Halloween, it gets a lot worse. Amen? Now look at what it goes on further here now. We're going to skip over just a little bit and, and look a little bit. I want you to look at the era that flies by day. By, by, by the way, before we go to that, let, let, let's do this. Go to Exodus chapter 12. Let's do that. I need to break that down a little bit more. The Lord told me to let him explain something. Exodus chapter 12, verse 23. This is what the Spirit does. 23, Exodus 12 and 23. For the Lord, Yahweh, will pass through the, to smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer, underline that, the destroyer. That's what Pahad 